There is currently Diet Coke spilling off my desk and possibly onto electronics, but we're going to ignore that because I am here today with a special, well, a couple of people. In a moment, you're going to see Dr. Jonathan Pritchett, who you all know and love so well, who is the mascot of the program. But then you will also see a new guest who I will introduce and whose logo is on my coffee cup. And we're going to introduce him because he's new to the area. He has moved here, but he also has an incredible story. I think if we probe it a little bit about growing up and experiencing fundamentalism, the negative side of fundamentalism in and outside of, well, in the pulpit and in the pew, we could say, I think, and yet retained his faith and uh, we're or at least has faith today. I'm not sure exactly how the story goes, but we're going to find out. And so let's go ahead and bring everybody in to my, well, from your perspective, left, my right. You will see there on the right-hand side of that left-hand screen, Dr. Jonathan Pritchett. And you will also see Will Hess of the Church Split Podcast. Will Hess, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. How are you? Doing great. I'm so glad that you're here. And Jonathan, welcome to the show. I am pleased to see that the overlap between Trinity radio fans and Friday Night Tight fans is substantial. I don't know what that is. It's Stradrotic's channel. It's about pop culture stuff. It's a fantastic channel. Well, right on. Um, uh-oh, it sounds like maybe we're having a problem here. What's the problem? Is everybody all right? Is everybody able to hear everything? Give is us a sound echo, check, everyone. Something about an echo. Too many mics. Too many mics, they say. I don't know. Do you have the echo cancellation on? Yes. Okay, well. Hmm. How bad's the echo? I don't know. Tell us if the mic's if the echo's okay. In the meantime, it's an echo. Yes, it's an echo. An echo. Echo. An echo. How is there an echo? I don't know. I don't know. Let's just um It didn't happen in the test run, so. Hmm. Don't really know what to do. Uh maybe we have to lose one of the mics and y'all use one mic. I don't know. Um, no problem. They say they can hear. No problem. All right. Well, anyway, uh, so here we are. And Will is, as I say, the host, one of the hosts of uh, the Church Split podcast, which is here on YouTube. The link is in the description. I think you should go check it out. And uh, we're going to talk through his story today as we discuss church hurt. Um, why are people hurting all these churches? And <laughs> right. we're going to talk about deconstruction and apologetics because Will is also interested in apologetics. Will, let us know. Uh, talk to us for a few minutes. Well, um, so again, my name is Will. Um, I also want to make sure I everyone knows I'm, like you said, we have Dr. Jonathan Pritchett and I'm not Dr. Will Hess. Um, but also, Nick Quinn, to the comments, I saw you. I am a 10 out of 10, not a 9 out of 10. And I have better hair than you. So anyway, with that all said, <laughs> um, so yeah, I was raising a, a fundamentalism. It's kind of a big part of our channel, um, kind of part of, I think we have a good chunk of our audience that actually is ex-fundamentalists, like independent fundamental Baptists. But we also have like Pentecostal holiness and a lot of people like that who follow us because we have dealt with a lot of topics specifically that many people were raised in that had to deal with a lot of, because there's a lot of church hurt that comes with that. And a lot of people make the mistake of, of course, blaming God for that, or they kind of lump it all in one, like God church and Jesus, all of it's equally bad as opposed to just eating the meat, spitting out the bones and kind of figuring it out from there. Mm -hmm. So big thing for us has always been to just uh, challenge the echo chamber because churches oftentimes can become echo chambers. Big thing that we want to do. Um, and so, yeah, I was raised in that. I was raised King James onlyist. I was raised in a very legalistic structure and it was very difficult uh, as a young man to deal with. 
So, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Put put out the electrical fire from your diet coke mess while while we continue the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad yeah. it's starting as a disaster well, already. You know, and there's like a a beeline from fundamentalist traditions, uh, the IFB to atheist TikToker. And I've come out of the fundamentalist background. That's like every atheist YouTuber story, you know, it seems like that happens a lot. So why, before we get into that, our audience may be thinking that this is just gonna be, let's bash fundamentalists uh, all day. And we probably will have some bash of that. Bash fundamentalists. But, but as, as, as uh, we did last time when we talked about Calvinism, is there what? What are some positive things uh, that you could say about the fundamentalist tradition? So I think there's actually some positives in, in in fundamentalism, and this is why you have to kind of again the idea of eat meat, spit out bones, or before you just like beeline it. Before, and we will talk about that here in a minute. But yeah. before you beeline it to TikTok atheism, one of the things you have to do is also like okay, slowly loosen your shoelaces. What's going well? What's going What's not going well? One thing that they do well is one is they're evangelistic. Yeah. And I think that is something that actually is funny because uh, a lot of churches just aren't. Yeah. Evangelical. Right. Are not evan as evangelistic or like they, they use the soul winner language. You know, we're going to go soul winning and, you know, they'll yeah. knock on as many doors as Jehovah's Witnesses will to just open up their Bible and start talking. This is what know? I this is the background that in certain respect I came out of and pastored in. In fact, if I was pastoring today. I might still uh, visit door to door, depending on the type of community that I'm in and uh, find it very successful, despite the fact that everyone tells me it's not. So, yeah, I think that's a good thing from yeah. fundamentalism. The right. And so they're very evangelistic. That is one thing that I've always appreciated about them. And that's actually what a lot of uh, fundamentalist pastors who push against us mm -hmm. will be like, well, they'll constantly bring that up. But we actually knock on doors. We actually care about the gospel. You guys say you do, but you guys don't go out there and do anything. Right. Right. So, I mean, that they use that as a curmudgeon back. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, as a curmudgeon, as but a that bludgeon. could be, but that's a false dichotomy. You could be doing something just not the same way they are. Right. right exactly. Yeah. Which is like cool. we, we have working YouTube channels where we spill Diet Coke. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, and the, some of the other things is that they really have a strong view of like preserving God's word and standing on it. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I might not agree with the way they go about teaching it. I might not agree with their interpretations of it, but there really is at least a passion for the God for God's word and preserving it, and so much so that they are most of them are King James only or something. Yeah, and a real nature. and a real caution because, like, even though we know that there's problems with that for sure about arriving at King James onlyism, the reality is they are at least um, showing that they really care that we're cautious about how we handle the word of God and what we call the word of God and what is in the Bible and what how it says things. They're taking all this very they're very cautious about all these things. The thing is that doesn't mean that others who are not in what we would term the fundamentalists that mm -hmm. we're talking about aren't also cautious, but um, would be more yeah. cautious by looking at manuscript traditions and what maybe is the stuff we have now that the King James people didn't have. They would have certainly liked to have had, yeah. right? Well, I mean, maybe here's the greater a, caution is bringing those things in. I appreciate that. They still use the King James Bible. Wonderful uh, translation. Uh, one of it, it is a masterwork of, of literary art, in my opinion. And I, I, I always threaten to only use the King James, not because of the King James <laughs> only, but only use it just to bug People like Braxton, for example, that, you know. Well, Braxton does uh, have like a third grade no, he, level. He, so. Yeah, that's pretty. No, <laughs> he, he likes King James. But, I mean, it's just like you see a lot of people poo-pooing the King James Bible now because of this 
They KJV poo-poo only. It? Yeah. They, they poo-poo? They poo-poo the King James okay. Bible. It's like, oh, you shouldn't use that. It's No, it's a beautiful it's, translation. And I think sometimes the, the, the KJV onlyists do a great disservice because they attach so many weird beliefs to it mm-hmm. that are wrong that it turns people off from the King James. And so I think that's sad because I really do love the King James. Well, because I deal with a lot of people in my ministry that have had church hurt and church abuse and things like that, where they're like, well, now just reading the King James, like it kind of triggers me because I remember these were big, these verses said in this way were used as ways to abuse me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. like, you know, sparing out the rod and the, the way that it's worded. So it's like, you do, you're right. The King James only is do it. The King James, King James, a disservice. I love the King James as well. It's got that poetic language to it. It's beautiful. Yeah. It actually sounds more reverent because of that in a right. weird way because yeah. it's 400 years old. So you're just like, wow. Yeah. Um, it was intentionally written that way too. So, right. Right. Yeah, so, and, and it sounds more grandiose. So, yeah. I mean, Anyway, and, and let's and let's also say I, I'd say this, too, because I mean, I don't really know how we want to define this term. I know what comes to people's mind when you say fundamentalist. Um, but but other good things that we need to mention that I would think are definitely true of fundamentalist churches, although they could be true of other evangelical churches, broadly speaking, is also not just a caution. I think I think that a caution for things um and perhaps maybe in some cases a misguided attempts to get that caution is also true, not just with the Bible, but say with social, social issues and even down to the modesty issues and the purity culture and all those kind of things, whatever you want to say about those things and whatever we may say about those things, there is a desire there. I think uh, by at least the people with the best motivations to uh, preserve and protect yeah. and, and keep safe and guard against wolves who maybe try to deceive and all those kind of things. Well, it's the, it's, yeah. And well, but a lot of the things that there's an ugly side to what you just said though. And they've mm-hmm. attached so many things that were never there in the origins of the uh, fundamentalist movement. That was ecumenical. Right. And it was to, the five fundamentals were published and it was to counter liberalism mm-hmm. in its day. And now it's like, instead of five fundamentals, I mean, if you are not like in the uh, IFB tradition, if you are not an IFB preacher, you can't preach in any IFB church. Right, exactly. Which sounds a lot like a denomination for people who say they're independent. independent. <laughs> right, right. But, yeah, and you can only go to these approved schools within the non-denomination of our denomination. Okay? Right. So it's really weird that they became so sectarian when it, its origins were more ecumenical across at least faithful, confessional, orthodox. Right. Which is oddly enough what even, evangelical church is yeah. supposed to be now is like the ecumenical version. So back yeah. then, this is like, that's why they call it fundamental fundamentalism because it was like these are the fundamentals of the faith. Yeah. And if it's always you affirm these, we can be in fellowship with each other. And now, like I said, now it became sectarian. And even in the IFB, like independent fundamental Baptist world, IFB for short, for those who are not familiar with the terminology. The IF within the IFB, there's different sects within it. So like you might have, and they're very big on their Bible colleges. So it's like, well, I went to maybe like Crown the Crown College vein, or then there's the Bob Jones University if you're liberal. Uh, (laughs) uh, Then there's like the Hiles Anderson, and they're like the real crazy ones, and Fairhaven and all them. So it it is funny how they have become sectarian. But um, some of the one, some of the other things that I have appreciated about the fundamentalists, what that I think that they do that they are right in doing is they're a bit more bold and boisterous on things that they should be. Now, granted, sometimes they don't do it in the best way. Sometimes yeah. they're a little bit more, uh, what's the word? Um, venomous than they probably should Aggressive? be. Aggressive. <laughs> there you go. Um, but it's like, I'm I here pre- with the diplomacy. That's my department. Yeah. Very, very good. Uh, but because of that, um, 
honestly, it's like evangelical churches could use to once in a while step on some toes, and mm-hmm. sometimes they're scared to do so. Well, mm-hmm. not as long as they're knocking each other, they'll be as venomous as possible. Right. Because everything that the, outside of the church that's wicked about the world, they they you know walk on eggshells, which I, I don't get that about evangelicals is <clears throat> is you know kid gloves with all of the god hating nonsense out there in the world, <laughs> but let's tear each other's throats out. Yeah, exactly. Know? And so that's where and so I definitely think that those are some of the best things in fundamentalism. Yeah. Um, and those are some things I still like, think are great. Like I still take the, the, uh, why I would say I'm still a conservative theologian. You know, I take the word of God very seriously. I, I, I appreciate boldness, which is why we joke around about being very like spicy. And I know you hate that term, (laughs) but then you come to reserved for you. You're the only one that can use it, but everyone else is annoyed. But (laughs) even with all of that, there comes this very big, but, Mm Hmm. And that list gets long because you, 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 like Braxton said at the beginning, you've been in the tradition from the from the pews all the way into the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And what what was that like for you? And what are the inherent problems that gets us back to the whole beeline from people who leave fundamentalism instead of ending up a more or less <laughs> well-adjusted Protestant? Like yourself <laughs> to be an atheist. Am I well adjusted? Yeah. Well, okay. We have low, low standards. I'm being nice here. today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so saying it's really tell us your story. Like how how did this go down for you? Why the passion about dealing with issues related to church split and theological mm-hmm. disagreement and the, and and you I know you've kept people that have uh, I know in one case I don't know how much I should talk about this but you had them on a stream. Um, you people that you felt were kind of down and out as a result of things that happened in churches like that, you have kept in your home a couple mm-hmm. of young men. And so uh, what, what motivates all of that? Tell us your story. So essentially, I was raised in this movement, and um, and I, I, I tell my story in depth in a lot of other places because it's just part of like our ministry. And it, of course, your story is your story, so you're of course, you're going to take it with you wherever you go. So for me, I was raised in it, and what it was was uh, that— not only was there, so you have to understand that independent fundamental Baptists, they tend to be usually axed to Ryrie dispensationalists, um, pre-trib rapture types, and anything outside of that was considered like ardent heresy. Mm. Um, so the Southern, or and anything who disagreed was usually a liberal. Southern Baptist, liberal. Okay, you guys. So like, yeah. So like, just to jump in here. So like, when we're talking about last last week, was it last week mm-hmm. or maybe two weeks ago? We had Warren McGrew on. And we were talking about is this guy a heretic? Because sometimes he's been called a heretic because he's an open theist, and maybe there's some other things there that we didn't get to. Um, that these folks that you grew up around, they ratcheted that term heretic up to the line of Everything. basically doesn't <laughs> agree with us about Anything. particularly about mm-hmm. well, is there if, anything if you're if you approve of social drinking, you're a heretic. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was living in sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were very so they were very appearance focused. Uh, just to kind of give you an idea. Women always had to wear skirts um, like all their dresses had to be like two fingers from the neckline. Uh, mm. And it was a thing where a lot of girls oftentimes as women especially were have been damned. two fingers from the neck. Where's the neckline start? Like right here. Like right so like, where that little divot. Yeah, is yeah. And, pretty much okay. like right at right the there. divot. It's interesting because when I in terms of my uh, manicuring of my beard, it's too above the Adam's apple is what you do there. So just in case anyone wanted any tips, oh, continue. Very good. You know okay. when you tell me that nobody cares? Well, it's actually, it's actually relevant. <laughs> this is it's one a, of those times where it's, it's like actually relevant. And I'll tell you why, because those dudes don't like beards either, do they? The IFB. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a funny thing because uh, <laughs> on all their churches usually, and especially in their colleges, you have to be clean shaven. And they say it's basically um, to not look worldly, it's to look clean. 
And of course, we ignore all the passages that conveniently say that Jesus had a beard, and that was mm -hmm. actually a very uh, masculine thing to have. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, so I was raising this, and what was basically what it was was like you couldn't most everything that all the other kids did was bad, right? So you couldn't, uh, when it came to things like sci-fi, that was frowned upon. Uh, you know, the Star Wars, New Agey, Lord of the Rings, witchcraft, you get the idea. They were, uh, um, it was always the, uh, um, the satanic panic was very real. Yeah, I, I've got a book here somewhere, <laughs> Will, that I bought when I was like 13 in the mall in Nashville. There was like a little Christian bookstore. And it's this book where some preacher, I actually looked him up the other day because I found the book. And he goes through like the Smurfs, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like uh, all the stuff, Transformers, all the stuff from our youth and how it's all demonically motivated. Well, you know why the Transformers were bad? Because they transform? No, because they crashed like some five, six million years. In oh, the past. it played into the older. And then they, and then they, you know. You're um, right. It is satanic. Then they were awakened, you know. <laughs> and so you don't remember the. Yes, that's why their ship yeah. was all their base was always in the side of that mountain in the right. old show. Exactly. Because that's where they crashed. That's right. Right. And uh, it was millions of years. Let's tell yeah. ourselves, Braxton, Jonathan, nobody cares. Okay, <laughs> go, go ahead, Will. So no, you're good. Um, so and they were very appearance focused and very performance focused. So I actually oftentimes will refer to my background with to people as just performance-based Christianity, which is funny. There's an irony here as well, because they're very much against like losing your salvation. Because they believe if you lose your salvation, that suddenly you switch to works-based salvation. So they believe that you can reject salvation. If you're not once saved, always saved, you are a works-based salvation person. And this is, and this, uh, many Southern Baptists would agree with. Right. So, yeah. so they have this whole, I, that's a big thing with them. So essentially it be, turns it oddly enough though, they turn it into performance base in order to prove your Christianity. So it's just, it is this goofy, like yeah. double, like, so is it no works or works? I don't, anyway. <laughs> so, what ends up what ended up happening for me as a young man was because of this. Now, my home life was also a big train wreck in and of itself. I'll spare of getting into that giant thing right now, but I'll just give you a quick overview. Um, I experienced every form of abuse by the time I was 10 years old. My family was very fractured, in, uh, but we there were Sunday school teachers at the IFB church, and they, they had this glistening, shiny, happy people thing going on. In fact, that docuseries um, was interesting for me because, like, 50% of it, I was like, this is liberal garbage. And the other 50%, I was like, actually, that's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know if you watched the Amazon series, but anyway. Well, bless your heart. Um, so it was one of those things where we went through that. You know, my mom was arrested. My dad, my dad was angry and violent a few times, and he has since repented of that. And actually, we have a good relationship. But anyway, so while you're going through that, and then you're going to church, and your church is just saying, behave this way. This is the way you must act. I became a very rebellious teenager uh behind closed doors and lived what do you mean like you were reading out the message bible yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually i told pritch a little bit about it last night pg-13 uh, movies man yeah, yeah. oh that's exactly oh. what it was you didn't watch terminator 2 did you when you were 14 or something no i had, so here was what's funny is that my dad had no problem with us like watching like saving private ryan at like 13, 10, 13 years old, but like Lord of the Rings, bad. Well, I don't understand Lord of the Rings bad, but my dad took me to see both. Um, I think he'd be okay with me sharing this. He did it. He took me to see Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List when yeah. I was certainly far less than 18. And I think it was because in those movies, he saw some value in allowing his son to be exposed to, say, the horrors of war or the horrors of the Holocaust. That was a gratuitous for gratuitousness sake, right? Right, right. Yeah. yeah so, but D&D, no way. Dungeons and Dragons. That was, oh, they would not have. I don't yeah, think no. they would have been cool with Dungeons and Dragons. No, no, no. Well, conveniently, a lot of people aren't cool with 
uh, Dungeons and Dragons anymore because they've kind of gone woke. Because they're not cool. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, um, uh, Wizards of the Coast is kind of like say we got to get rid of this species because it's racist or whatever. We got to get rid of elves and, or whatever they're getting rid of. Uh, you yeah. uh, just well, I won't go there, but there. Well, uh, what is um. Solok from Indiana Jones, Gimli in Lord of the Rings, isn't that the John Rise David? What what is what is his? He's a dwarf, right? Yeah. yeah. That you see racism against the dwarves in Lord of the Rings and much high fantasy. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, that's it's like always that the yeah the classism of the different races. Yeah. It's a whole thing. But so basically, what ended up happening for me is I became really obsessed with my appearance, but unfortunately, it missed my heart. So I could do whatever I wanted as long as I didn't get caught. Hmm. That was the thing. And so, because they, they they weren't, go ahead. That's like most evangelicals too, though. right? Right. But so probably magnified yeah. tenfold yeah. Um, to another level. So, um, I got involved in all sorts of stuff I shouldn't have gotten involved in. But then, what ended up happening was about seventeen years old. You know, I have a real. Uh, my home life was a wreck because of all the abuse and things going on there. Um, I think I think that was around the time I retaliated against my dad and I actually got very violent against him for mm. a change. And that was mm. really rough. Um, made family dinner awkward that evening. Uh, <laughs> um, so once you do that and then also your church is like, so just to give you an example of how, what level I'll give you one example there. Most of the time, boys and girls were not allowed to talk to each other really. Um, which is funny because they also wanted you to be fruitful and multiply and have like a bajillion children because they were very much of that vein, like, you yeah. know, quiver full. Well, uh, you mentioned Bob Jones and I had a friend who went to Bob Jones and he told me that if, and he told me that if you wanted to court a girl, then you would, you would meet in the courting parlor Yep. and you would sit on a couch, but you'd be separated by at least one seat apart. And then there would be a person there monitoring the whole oh, thing. Oh, they, my background would probably avoid anything like a couch because it's still yeah. too risque. Like, yeah. you better be sitting at a table. Yeah. <laughs> and it better be uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, nothing that feels comfortable. And, you know, on the and obviously we want to make points about legalism here. That's part of the whole point. But it right. also should be stated that, again, that goes back to this desire to keep people sexually pure, not that the methodology is the right methodology. Right, right. And it, well, that's why I say all the time, like, okay, boohoo, you, you were raised strict. Mm-hmm. I get it. Um, things happen, but it's better than being raised the opposite, like in many ways. Um, so there, there's, again, if you see the motivations underneath it, is better than the other way. But anyhow. Wait a minute. Uh, Will Brian Bode, I don't know who that... Brian Brian Bodie Bo- says, Bode. what does Will think about... This must be one of your fans. What does Will think about some of those other podcasts about fundamentalism? And then put a wink emoji as if you guys know each other or something. <laughs> so Brian Bodie is... Uh, he doesn't know how to spell his name. That's fine. Um, Brian Bodie is my best friend. He is my co-host on the podcast. But uh, Yeah, you didn't know that, Braxton? I did know that. Okay, it's uh, his Jonathan Pritchett. Yes, he is. He, uh, although except uh, the temperaments Brian, are swapped, you said yes, the temperaments are swapped. I'm the Pritchett of the podcast, and Brian is the nice guy. But uh, Brian is talking about uh, there's another group of people who talk about this, and he's trying to cause drama. Uh, there's uh, we are part of a recovering fundamentalist podcast network. Soon after we started, about six months in, I think, or a year. I don't know. It's like a podcast like a consortium, right? Yeah, and okay. basically we got kicked out because we were too ecumenical, and we were okay mm. with annihilationism and other things so okay and all we right. also said things that so is it the strictness of all of that that you think sends people running completely out of it to atheism like because one of the things that I, you have to admire about it even though i i've never parented my and maybe i should have maybe i was a little bit too free but i had my wife to kind of balance me out because I, I was always under the impression that if you were too strict then they go absolutely insane when they leave the home because i've seen that so many times mm-hmm. 
because not everyone's going to go to the one of the pre-approved Bible colleges. Some people want to go be a doctor, or some people want to go be right. a lawyer, and they have to go somewhere else for that. So it's like I never was overly strict, um, and I introduced my kids to ideas early and how to think about them. But is it is it that is it the strict thing that sends them out, or is it just the bad ideas? I think there's a couple of things. So just to give you my example real quick, and that'll kind of set it, set it as a backdrop. We were on a mission trip in New Mexico, and uh, the, it was the last night. So the missionary and the pastor, youth pastor, and his wife went out for dinner, and they were like, "We're going to leave you kids here, but gr- boys, you can be in the downstairs. Girls, you can be in this side of the house. The only place you guys can be together is in this living room." Okay, I've told the story a few times just because it really kind of hits at home, even though this is like one of dozens. And connected to this living room was a glass door that led to a balcony. I want to emphasize a glass is transparent, right? <laughs> okay. So now that we agree that glass is transparent. It is in Indiana. Uh, what? It is in Indiana. You yeah. See, exactly. So <laughs> so on this uh, balcony here, we were. it was in New Mexico. It was beautiful out at that night. So we're all hanging out on the balcony because it's all part of the living room in our mind. And so the, the missionary and them came back from dinner. Everyone went inside besides me and a girl. We were just out, out there talking because over time, one person would leave, one person was just me and Erica. And we we're just sitting there, we we're talking. And then I got pulled in and ripped apart because I'm out there alone with a girl. I broke the rules. I was supposed to only be in the living room. I was like, I thought this was part of the living room. Like that kind of seemed like it was this general area. And they you said, messed up, Will. They called me a liar. I was supposed to apologize in front of like the entire church. Uh, for basically trying to be alone with a girl and take advantage of her. It was this whole thing. So, I mean, that that level. So what I think what ends up happening, to answer your question, is the level of strictness where, first off, you get so frustrated because even innocent things are considered risque. Yeah. So even when you're doing something out of pure innocence, it is, nope, that is risque, that, that's sexualized. So what happens once freedom happens and you weren't even able to breathe without critique, suddenly you don't even know how to do deal anything with your freedom because their rules they want to impose discipline but they kind of remove like your ability of free will and discernment at all and they just mm-hmm. enforce it to such a degree that you actually have zero discernment when you get out in the world and on top of that i think you're you're so irritated and angry at everything you've been through before that finally you're like i am happy to be done away with all that and i'm jumping in fully now i also think the reason why they jump to atheism especially like TikTok level atheism which is like you know, pop atheism, neo atheism, and it's just really shallow atheism. It's uh, the edgy kid. Um, And, uh, and I think it's because also in fundamentalism, anything academic was frowned upon. So anything academic or scholarly was frowned upon. In fact, if you had like multiple great degrees, unless it was from other approved Bible colleges, ironically enough, uh, Mm -hmm. you were, it wasn't really considered that impressive. Um, Mm -hmm. It was actually kind of frowned upon. So they would rather you read books from an unqualified pastor writing a book about, the truth of revelation than some guy who actually studies ancient apocalyptic literature. Right. So, uh, then what, so what ends up happening is that you have very ignorant kids who have very, who have no nothing, who are, are bitter usually about all the things that they were accused of going out into the world, experiencing freedom for the first time, angry at the church for what they did. And actually are completely clueless on even how to do research because no one has even, They've only been told what to think, not how to think. So then when they encounter bad ideas, they don't know how to sift through the bad ideas from the good ideas that may be different from their own background. Exactly. And then, so I, I should say right at this point that in terms of what the thumbnail uh, for this video indicated, um, fundamentalists create or fundamentalism creates atheists. Well, this much is true. Uh, some people do come out of fundamentalism and become atheists mm-hmm. and it could, and, 
by their testimony, it has to do with how they were taught or what they were taught or how people treated them. So but I think that, the answer is yeah. not no in a flat sense to the thumbnail, right? Well, uh, in my in my mind, I think that the the overly strict way of growing up and then get experiencing a little bit of freedom, they find intellectual reasons why they want to reject their previous fundamentalism later. That's yeah. not the first thing they find is, oh, I watched uh, XYZ Atheist on YouTube and it just completely opened my eyes. No, you went out and partied for a little bit and then you just kind of fell further and further down a rabbit hole until you ended up where somewhere that could justify this huge paradigm shift, mm-hmm. shift you know, because it's, it's like these are big swings, which you didn't which didn't happen to you. No. Um, and that's because and so that's why a big part of my ministry was to reach out to those people because they haven't been taught how to think. And a lot of them like will get to a point where they're like, I'm so frustrated by know nothing else. And they'll say that in their videos. Like, yeah. I didn't know anything about the world. I right. didn't know anything. And, you know, in one sense, it's admirable that they can, in the information age, that they can inculcate people away from that much stuff in the information age. It's amazing, but it's also to their detriment. Right, 100%. Yeah, because they'll say that themselves. I don't know anything when I came out of, you know, when I moved out of my house. But would would it be fair to say, not to break the flow of the conversation here, but would it be fair to say that, uh, that, look, uh, we would be fundamentalists as far as uh, the people that would say fundamentalism creates atheists. They would consider us fundamentalists insofar as like when I go and look at what atheists on TikTok and in YouTube shorts are saying, it usually comes down to a, few, a handful of issues. Now, there are some out there that articulate a lot more, but uh, but usually it's like, well, eternal conscious torment, mm-hmm. um, LGBT issues and the and the fundamentalist views on those and uh, original sin and the fundamentalist views on those. Now, as we were talking last night, we don't hold to a guilt nature. None of the three of us do, I don't mm-hmm. think. Nope. We think what we inherited from Adam may, may have been a nature and an environment that's inclined towards sin, but we're culpable for our own sins, and so there's no guilt nature. That might be a little different, but the bottom line is, would we not still be considered fundamentalists on what are probably some of the most important issues to people that they say make them atheists, sexual, biblical sexual ethics, and uh, the nature of hell. Yeah, I mean... I, well, we wouldn't on that either because we we taught, we have Chris Date, we have annihilationists, we say, are friendly to all those I'm positions. I'm open about that. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, op- we're friendly to all those positions on this show. So really, it just comes down to the sexual ethics question. Well, I, the should, I should have graphed at, at my talk in Texas, but that's the number one reason for not just fundamentalists, but just Christians in general. But I think I think that issue gets wrapped up and a whole bunch of other issues within the fundamentalist sphere that I think that with fundamentalists as opposed to evangelicals, when they come out of this, it's an easy way to make friends to start waving a rainbow flag. Mm-hmm. And after so much like negative reinforcement their whole lives, you know, and being told no, 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 and, and all of all of that, when they start getting positive affirmation from the world in, mm-hmm. in that sense, from that, that has such an allure to it for people who have always been kind of browbeaten down against having fun of any kind or having right. friends that are different from independent fundamentalist Baptist types or whatever. And then you get out there and you're always being told everything you do is bad. And then you start getting like positive affirmation. Cause I mean, that, even with like, um, 
a lot of these issues in the LGBT, like with the trans community, when, when people start uh, saying, well, maybe I'm a tomboy when a girl does that, and they keep getting more and more positive reinforcement, they end up going, well, I'm not binary, and then it's all of a sudden, you know, I'm a, I'm a man, you know. Right. I, and, and because of that positive reinforcement, counter to the negative reinforcement that they had gotten all the, you know, against that, they end up going so much further into that because they are welcomed. Well, and that's where uh, you all yeah. sometimes hear that. that. Well, I was never more, I was more loved in, with these people than I was even at my own church. Right. You hear those types of statements. And that's why, again, back to the TikTok atheism, because there's this pendulum swing effect of, I don't like this, but these people were nice. And so I'm going to zip over here. Or I've only been taught because one thing in fundamentalism, they're really focused on God's anger and wrath and against unrighteousness. And basically you're nothing but a worm and all these things. So when you have that and you're be browbeaten with that, and then suddenly you're told by these other people, oh no, no, you're wonderful. You're beautiful. Just as Or you even are. that God accepts you as you are. Yeah, yeah. Either. And it, as opposed to like, there's obviously this middle ground. Right. And so that's why I became like, when it came down to it, um, there's, and some I should mention some of these people really have gone through a lot. Um, Micah Kilmer, I saw him in the comments. Uh, he was one of the boys we took in. Uh, we've taken on quite a few people in our home from these types of homes uh, or this background. And a friend, uh, a friend with him was this kid Julius, and Julius was going to be. He lived on church property and uh, in a home. His mom had died. His dad wasn't in a good place. So he lived on church property and like a parsonage situation. And as soon as he got rid of his King James only, I was like, I just don't believe it. They said, all right, you have to find a new home in two weeks. Mm. And they were just like, yeah, this kid who's you know, clearly like basically an orphan, throw him to the streets. Wow. Um, and he's just like, you know, just a young man. So wow. it, it was. Wow. And so, yeah, then you wonder why these people jump ship and just go, the church sucks or God's just not true. And then they hear the And because they haven't learned how to think well. Uh, they hear their first like atheist uh, response to it, and they're not equipped to handle it. That's why a lot of my, uh, for me, apologetics is a big deal because again, defending the existence of God. But then over time in my ministry, I realized the theological apologetics was uh, helping people more under my ministry mm -hmm. than before because like, no, no, you just have bad theology. Yeah. Well, you've only been taught one way to view things. What if there's a whole nother world to look at here? And suddenly people are like, that actually, I've been told by a few that gave them permission to chain to to explore questions with God without leaving God. Well, on that note, let me say something real quick here. We have Bippy two three four five six. Bippy is the pastor of the church. Maybe he didn't want me to blow his cover. Uh, he's the pastor of the church. The church where I was at doing the conference this weekend. Yeah, leave it at wonderful, that. Wonderful name wonder like Bippy. He's not trying to <laughs> wonderful wonderful guy. Uh, he gives us a thank you for the super chat. Yeah. Pair character doing a classic mic drop. Well, yeah. praise the Lord. And he had something to say up here that I think is really important. And before I read it, I just want to say that, um, you know, I, I hear what you guys are saying about some of the fundamentalist stuff. Um, and then I think about progressive Christianity over here and we're in the middle. But where in the middle, I think we I mean, like when you talk about the importance of understanding of God's wrath and how that was emphasized, perhaps to the exclusion or to the minimization of the love of God. I think there should be a balance, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so Bippy, I think, makes a good point here, says, um, what I am hearing so far is more along the lines of extreme legalistic fundamentalism. Care should be taken not to brush all those who may old may hold may hold to same principles within fundamentalism and then a winky smiley face, which indicates he's being nice. So be nice. Yeah, no, I mean but, that's that's the thing. Like I have an appreciation for the for fundamentalism like 
in its origins. But you can't ignore the social phenomenon of the uh, fundamentalist to TikTok atheism line. You can't... We hear a lot in the news about sexual abuse, but abuses of all kinds, like the Southern Baptist tradition, but you hear about that in the news because it's shocking. But the personal stories, I've heard more personal stories of, of abuse, sexual and otherwise, or emotional abuse or physical abuse, from more former fundamentalists than I hear from survivors in these SBC churches, which, I mean, like, what, they found 800 cases out of, you know, 44,000 churches or whatever in the Houston Baptist Chronicle, or the Houston Chronicle. Not, not, we don't want to minimize that. No, That's we don't horrific. want to minimize that at all. But I'm just saying, that, that was just sexual abuse. But, like, you hear a lot of these abuse stories in there, and there's a lot... That kind of abuse, whether it's emotional abuse, physical abuse, or sexual abuse, or whatever that comes out of, you you have to say something's wrong. Yep. Which which the the sample size I would think would be a larger percentage than like the sample size of abuse cases that you would hear in a very large the largest Protestant denomination in the United mm-hmm. States. Not minimizing anything, I'm just saying the the percentage would be larger. Right. You'd think. You'd think, and and that that gets my attention because like what is in the water of the fundamentalist tradition that, well, that breeds that. Cause you even said that you had, you dealt with that in your own home with yep, your father yep. and y'all reconciled since, but what, what's at root of that? So I think there's a few things, um, uh, which is one is because it's appearance focused, you can't be vulnerable or open about anything. And therefore you have to pretend like it's all perfect. So therefore, if you're a person who's really struggling with something, let's say you have anger problems, we can't yeah. admit that. You'd be thrown out of the church, you know? And so it's all behind closed doors. Also, it's extreme. You're going to love this as an egalitarian. Uh, so mm. they're they're very patriarchal to such an extreme where men are an unquestionable authority in the church. Pastors are unquestionable men of God. They use that term that he's the man of God. So if you disagree with the pastor, you disagree with basically almost a, to the level of a prophet. They won't say that, but they do. And I too, um, what's his name? Bippy? Is that his name? Yep. His point. Okay. To Bippy's point, whoever that is, uh, it's true that I am talking about a legalistic fundamentalism, and that's kind of the problem whenever I talk about this because they consider themselves independent fundamental Baptists, and they're very big on that, King James-onlyism. So I do feel bad because there, it can be a, a kind of a lumping in, but that is literally the label they get. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people would call me a fundamentalist. Uh, YouTube atheists. Right, right. And that's really the point I was getting at. So yeah. we are hitting legalistic fundamentalism and how that hurts people mm-hmm. and how that may lead to... Uh, um, walking away, however one wants to frame that up soteriologically, mm-hmm. but uh, but so, I but that's a different question, I think. Yeah, than, because the weird thing that for me though is like I know several, not like tons, but I do know several fundamentalist types, right? Mm-hmm. And they've always struck me as the type of people that if there was any sort of child abuse or sexual abuse or something, they're the type of guys that would go grab a bat and beat the snot out of that person before they'd ever <laughs> call the police, too. So it's like. You get these weird impressions that there's this going on, but yet these types of men are also there, and they're the protector types or the strong, you know, yeah. types that, that would would take a bat to somebody in their church, you know, even as they're good buddies. So you so get that, you get these. That's why weird... part of this vein is that authoritarianism, and there's a bit of a brainwashing thing to it, right? Like you have to listen to me, you have to do this, and that, and now the problem is when you have any, and this happens in any organization, you make anyone an unquestionable authority in any organization. That human nature is a thing that can be abused. You might have a wonderful leader and everything is wonderful. But 
Also, what can happen is if you're on if it's unquestionable, it does give you access to things that others wouldn't have, and then you can control. The yeah, situation. President Hunter. Yeah, we don't accept like a lick my boot style leadership, except in the administrative halls of Trinity College. Right, exactly. <laughs> I have to clean his office. So yeah. it, there, there is that, and you're right. There is actually, in fact, there's a whole platform dedicated to exposing church abuse um, with Eric Skorzynski with the Preacher Boys. Now we got some bad blood between us and him because he eventually left the faith and did mm. some YouTube atheism, so to speak, because of all the, and his whole thing was like, I just interview constantly people who've been abused in the IFB. If the gospel really changed these men's lives, like they say, God, mu it, the gospel must be bunk. Well, it could be that the gospel, these people didn't cooperate with them. These people didn't do what God wanted. Right. It's right. Like, That's well, the whole idea. Well, I'm like, well, yeah, but the gospel saying <laughs> that these are wrong. But what was funny to me is like, well, if then God's not real. And I know if Paulman's watching this, I can already hear you. Shut up. Okay. Okay. I don't care. Uh, so, but uh, the thing is that then you have no moral grounds. Right. So if God's not real, then all these abuse stories, what it's just a bunch of what? Cosmic accidents. People doing what you don't like. Place. Yeah. People Basically. just doing what you don't, you subjectively don't like, but they mm -hmm. liked it. You know? So again, I insert moral argument here. I don't understand how that even follows, but I saw it all the time. And that's actually why my, I started really pushing our platform. We dedicated, I think about a year of our platform toward fundamentalism once in a while we'll like recently we did an interview with a, one, a woman named julian it's a, the, probably one of the longest interviews i've done since brenda with god is gray and i wanted to get to that eventually go ahead okay mm -hmm. and um but her story is incredible and you should listen to it because it tells what it's like in these legalistic circles as a young woman and it's i mean i thought it was hard as a boy as a man but as a woman it's way harder and it's and also because of that and I saw that's why I think there's even the sexual abuse stuff that takes place, because if everything you're not allowed to talk to the opposite sex, you're not encouraged to date or um, even you have crushes too much until you're in college, in which case you always have to have a third. You can't ever go out because appearances of evil. You know, they take that verse out of context and misunderstand what that verse is saying. Right. And what ends up happening is that so behind closed doors, you might have all these sexual urges, but you're not allowed to talk about it because they, you literally will not even barely ever say the word sex because it is considered bad or at least impure to talk about pe with people who are not married mm. so people end up exploring it in unhealthy fashions which is why in a lot of these families you'll hear of older brothers who abused younger brothers or you'll hear of mm. um, a youth pastor who is just 20 years old who ends up abusing and because no one has actually dealt with it in a healthy fashion so i think that's also part of it because they didn't deal with it at all they didn't deal with it at all yeah. and if you know if there's anything like with your flesh that's not dealt with at all well yeah. Don't be surprised when bad things happen. Yeah. The commenter S says, why wouldn't they do what the, what the gospel ordered if they were changed by the Holy Spirit? Because there seems to be some. Uh, so on Christian theology, we're we're pointing out that, number one, not everyone who receives the Holy Spirit, that is not everyone who's born again, becomes a Christian, always does what they should do. They still sin. And then in addition to that, not everyone who says that they've been indwelt by the Spirit and is saved really is. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, that's just Christian theology. That's uh, is how that yeah, works. Sanctification yeah. is progressive for those who have actually been born again, but not everyone right. in the Christian church has been. Mm -hmm. But heading this off, so what is the interception point for, for these people that are leaving the IFB tradition, they're disillusioned or whatever? How do you intercept those people? Because like, like I said, I want to be careful. There's a lot of good things you can say about churches. They have strong communities. Mm -hmm. Not everybody 
obviously they're still there. Not everyone's abandoning ship or whatever, but what? But those who do abandon seem to make a lot of noise once they're gone. Whether oh, yeah. they're like you who have retained your faith, but you ring bells about problems within the tradition, oh, yeah. or the people who just leave Christianity altogether. How do you intercept those people to to, to stop them from swinging too far the other way? What's so, What's your approach to that with the church split? And all um, that? So, yeah, well, the church split is primarily based around unity in the body of Christ, even though, like, you know, uh, we tend to be kind of snarky and we do a lot of those things, but it's because we like to have fun with it. But w- my biggest way of intercepting is I usually, especially with fundamentalists, I tr- ex-fundamentalists, I try to tackle some of the main issues first that they hear it harped on. You know, they're going to hear things like alcohol, alcohol equals sin or um, King James onlyism. So then what I do is I go, well, hold on. Holding hands is wicked. There's yes. got to be someone between us kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So instead of being like, well, hold on, before you run that way, before you completely jump off ship, what if I showed you a better way? Like, I'll say that, like, w- w- we took a young man in and I said, can I show you a better way for Christians to live more consistently? I was like, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but can we? Show, can you give me a chance? And he did, yeah. and now he's doing great. I mean, you could, people like you go so far as open your homes to mm-hmm. try to try to rescue people. Out well, of because that's part of it. Yeah. You... In order, so <laughs> I hear all the time, I can't do what you do. I couldn't do that. I'm like, well, most of us could. We just choose not to. And the biggest thing is that these people, what it is that they will, one of the biggest ways that IFB will control people is by controlling them. They have, usually they have these fake degrees from these colleges. Like, oh, you have an education degree, but it's not good anywhere. Yeah. Uh, you have a nursing degree, but it's not good anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so these people are either trapped in or they bail. So what I do is essentially is I try to reach them by going, hey, First off, here's an entire series that I put together in notes that I'll talk to you about King James Onlyism. If I can prove to you that God can preserve his word and King James Onlyism is false, would you know? maybe you'll see a Christian. Then I also focus on, that's why I got into apologetics was I was like, well, hold on. Before you abandon all of it, can you account for these arguments? Yeah. And then once we got to those arguments, people go, oh, those are really good points. I'm like, so that's why you bring in that mere Christianity idea. People can say what they want. I I, I get really uh, frustrated with um, people who really just want to blast people like Frank Turek and all these others. But I'm like, they're the ones who actually are the ones helping people who are going through stuff like this. Like normal people. Yeah, normal people. Yeah. People who don't want to pontificate on every single. Yeah. I mean, that's why, I mean, I know we're the channel that loves atheists, but I've talked all the time. Like, atheists is like the 10th most important people you should deal with in apologetics. I agree with you that the doctrinal style. not important people, important issue to deal with, and people. The people okay. are equal. No, you're wrong. The people are equally valued. Here we go again. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm always going to stand up for that. Okay. All right, but uh, hey, real not quick, all heroes are bald. Real, real quick. Uh, uh, let's see. Was it was it Derek? The gospel does change people for the better. We see this on a sociological level. Just because bad people exist within Christianity doesn't speak for the Titanic force for good. Uh, the faith has been. Amen. And then uh, I thought this was interesting. Danielle Edwards, thank you for the super chat, says, I grew up in the Pentecostal tradition and we have the same man of God, quote unquote, being the fount of all knowledge and never to be questioned. The anti-intellectualism is also how they remain unchallenged. Exactly. Like I said, they remain ignorant and they keep that. So then these kids, the first time they hear an argument against God, they're done. Yeah, I mean, that's, I know some people from like, the AOG and then through them some the the more strict Pentecostal types and other than cessationism versus uh, continuationism or charismaticism their soteriology their eschatology you know the Acts two disposition that's they're all identical it's like, that's yeah. like the only difference because I mean the Pentecostal girls wear the dresses and have the two inch so don't yeah. cut their hair yeah 
Is that, is, is that a fundamentalist thing too? Or? I'm not. It depends which circle. No. <laughs> Some of them wear hats. You know? Yes, exactly. In a moment, I want you to tell about. Um, I want you to tell about your discussion slash debate with God is Gray, who is a progressive, progressive Christian as a title um, YouTuber. But real quick, uh, I did want to say on that last point before we get to this anonymous, a moose, anonymous, anonymous. Oh, that's funny. That is funny. Um, before before we get to that, anonymous. you know, this idea, this lick my boot style leadership sort of thing that the pastor gets, uh, you know, you don't question the pastor and all. I just want to interject here from 1 Corinthians 16, 12. Paul uh, is obviously writing to the Corinthians, and he says, Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit with you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Now, none less than Paul urged Apollos to come to Corinth, and like, Apollos man. is like, I'm not feeling it right now. <laughs> now, if that's the case, and this lick-my-boot leadership style is, 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 is how it works— why, how, how could Apollos say no to Paul when Paul told him what to do? Why didn't Paul say, how dare you? We're going to have church discipline because you, at one of these churches, because, because Paul you was a rock star and had better rhetoric. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh, he you, was more eloquent than Paul. You think he was getting more speaking presentations? Probably so. He was like, dude, Paul, come on. You're not no, but the point level. is Paul did not pull rank on him there, right? All right, Anonymous says, is there a reason, is there a reason slash justification for how much they add to the Bible despite claiming to lean so heavy on it? Well, I think to be fair, we would need an example of where this adding to the Bible takes place. Oh, no dancing. Think... I got you. I got okay. you. So yeah, uh, dancing would be that uh, which feeds the flesh because it feels good. So it, that's kind of where they do this. So well, just... Now, I thought of this as you were talking. This is not in response to what you said, but to keep in mind as you guys are sort of mulling this around, in a certain respect, I think we all have to add to the Bible in order to make certain moral statements about things that are not literally mentioned in the Bible. Like pornography right? being yeah, sinful. Or, or smoking weed or whatever, you know, yeah. So carry on, sorry. So the So the justification essentially is, I, I, it's akin to Phariseeism. I tend to ride that like probably what way too played out trope, but it's true because what basically what happened with Phariseeism was that they put so many extra boundaries to make sure they would not allow for any violation of the Torah. It's kind of the same concept. It's, it, it comes from a place of wanting to be holy, right? Mm -hmm. Learning, okay. The, the, so that's the good. Right. The but good. it manifests itself as so much bad. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, but now we have 14 rows of fences up that now we have really struck the joy out of life and basically told people that if they enjoy it, that these things, it must be bad. Unless mm -hmm. it's food, and then you can become an overweight glutton IPF preacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. What, what would they say in response to that? What, the gluttony thing? No, no, no. <laughs> what would what would an IFB person who heard yeah, you just say, basically, they're removing all the stuff that, if, if you're doing anything that seems fun or whatever, enjoyable, then you're probably in sin. What do you think they would say in response? Usually it's a vague, like, well, when and it, there, there's a lot of appeal to authority because there's a lot of grandstanding. So it usually just turns into, well, when you mature, and so the gaslight oh, comes yeah. on, when you mature and you understand these things, you'll come to agree or if you really were right with God, or if you really sought God, you would find that this honors him better. Mm -hmm. And uh, as opposed to saying, well, maybe God... Like shaving every day. Right. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, was miserable when I went to uh, an IFE Bible college, because like, I have really like sensitive skin, so I, my face was always just angry. Uh, it looked horrible. My red, neck you looked mean? on like fire. Red. Yeah, yeah. So it was just from the razor burn. Uh, and it was Talcum so... powder, man. 
Uh, what? Kaplan Pounder. Well, dude, I don't know what that is. Okay, well, should have went. Uh, Irenic Tone <laughs> says, "Is is this uh, is Irenic Tone the same as the um, Irenic Pelagian? You remember the Irenic Pelagian? Probably not. Probably not. Okay, uh, is the modern country of Israel the same thing as the biblical Israel, and thus something Christians ought to support?" Do y'all have any insight or wisdom into that conversation? Uh, no to the first part, but yes to the second part. Um, uh, Christians, I, I think answer. Christians should support the nation of Israel. We should support Israeli citizens, I think. I mean, they're a good ally. They're a democracy in the West. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, that's fine. Do I think that they are the same as biblical Judy? No, they have no temple. Uh, there's millennia separating the two. In in my view, there the most of the people in Israel are secular atheists, you know, over eighty percent, um, or maybe even higher. So, and, and of course, any form of rabbinic Judaism, whether it's I mean, whether it's the the Orthodox or the Conservative or the Reform, none of that has anything in common with the biblical Judaism of the Old Covenant. Um, or a first just, century Judaism. Yeah, or, well, or second temple Judaism for that let, matter. It, it's so far Bible removed here. from that. And so far, it's so far, I mean, it's rabbinic Judaism, which is what happened, you know, after 70 AD started to develop in that tradition. And so, I mean, it's not just the reform, but even just the Orthodox or even the kind of the moderate, the conservative. I mean, you have you have secular Judaism, which is just atheists who just go about with the, the, the tradition. Yeah, but the question isn't, the, but Pritchett, the question yeah. for someone who would have a disagreement about uh, this with you, the question wouldn't be uh, whether Israel today, uh, the thinking of the people of Israel is in line with what God would want or anything like that, or even the worship of Yahweh. Okay, the it's physical what, location is the same as well, biblical, the geography. Okay, but okay, let but, me set this up because you'll see what I'm saying. Here. Okay. And, um, so, so the question is, is God going to keep his side of the covenant with Israel that he promised to Abraham? And in so doing, then the na that land not to be divided and that land to be held by uh, his people and all that sort of thing. So the way so the way this shakes out is if one thinks that the covenant that God made with Abraham and then reiterated to others, if that covenant is is um unconditional right if that's something so many people will argue look that is an unconditional covenant you may fail to do this to keep you know israel may fail to keep up their side of it but god will not fail to keep up his side of it i know because now, jesus i i believe that well jesus let me the, the listener doesn't know everything you know okay. so let me lay it all out here so so you have this covenant uh, impossible to obviate you may obviate the covenant israel but god will still keep up what he said he would right, do or saying. or um, no, the very nature of a covenant is that whether spoken or unspoken, it isn't uh, unconditional, as is the case with, say, a wedding. The only covenant we really observe as a secular society today is marriage, the marriage covenant. And we're observing that less and less. Right. But if a person who uh, gets married, they're not going to say anything. They're going to say till death do us part. They're not going to say anything about adultery, but everyone, including the two people getting married are sitting there thinking, yeah, and you better not cheat on me because if you do, this is over because there isn't an unconditional covenant. And so many people would say uh, that's how the covenant was with Abraham too. And, the, and Israel obviated the covenant. And so they should not expect not, to get all yeah, those kinds of things. For me, I, I reject like replacement theology, but I find mm -hmm. that, that, that Jesus 
satisfied the only true Israel that satisfied the old covenant, and therefore all covenant promises and blessings are yes and amen in Christ. That's a a wall that's been torn down between the Jews and Gentiles that yeah. are in Christ. And so, I mean, as far as that particular plot of land, I don't. In the new heavens and new earth, I want to live in Arkansas on the White River. So I could possibly care less who gets that. Well, chunk, one could but say I, that. I think though. that I think that all the inheritance are the, all those who co-reign with Christ, which would be the Jew plus Gentile people. Of but even but Christ. even but even if you believed exactly like uh, exactly like like a really hardcore dispensationalist about this or something, you could still say I'd like to live in Arkansas instead. Sure. Right. But but what, but that wasn't my answer to the question because I think that Jew plus Gentile people of God in Christ is the eschatological people are the inheritance of everything that Christ accomplished. Sure. But for Israel and then in the new covenant, it's better. Uh, yes, you're giving yeah. the answer that right. and I'm happy for you to give that answer. I just want people to know that. Well, what's your answer? What's my answer to what? The the question. If I'm answering it the, with the truth, if it is the case that Israel could obviate the covenant, yeah. then it seems as though. And we have a new covenant now in any case. I personally, so when you go to the Wailing Wall or you go to the Temple Mount and all of those things, I think we need to look to Jesus. Jesus is, his. you know, we have the new covenant relationship with Christ. The point is, when someone comes to this, if they think the covenant is unconditional, then they're going to come away thinking, no, Israel still needs to have that land and has a right to that land and you can't divide it and all those things on theological grounds. Um, and in terms of treaties in the old Testament and things. But if someone thinks that they, that they can obviate the covenant, well, then it still, then it just washes out to, well, this is a government discussion on what should happen, you know, overseas with a nation that we're allies with. And it becomes more of a, that kind yeah. of a conversation. But I, I do think that we should support Israel. You know, absolutely. That, that doesn't mean that you can't support Christians in Palestine. So, so I mean, when you, I was pastoring, it's not a, it's not a you either this or that. In, right. As far as that's the, right. The when I was pastoring, I would say things like, "Well, hey, we ought to support Israel, and we ought to take trips to Israel, and we ought to do all this kind of." And, I, and the thinking was along the lines of, you know, because of the reasons that dispensationalists might give. I still, no matter what the, the, my thinking on this now, I still say we should support Israel yeah. and we should get behind them and all of that, and particularly in the current conflict. Um, I think Israel has been seriously wronged and I can't understand yeah. anyone applauding or cheering on what has happened yeah. in recent days. And we should have opened the show probably by saying yeah, something Yeah, And about there's that. nothing about, there, there's nothing about my view that doesn't say that like for, um, the nation of Israel and whoever's descended from second temple Judaism, that there's not, I mean, the, the call is the same, repent and believe the gospel. So right. even if you're a dispensationalist um, and you think that there's a national Israel that's defined more than by a covenant that found its completion in Christ, for example, if you believe differently than that, I mean, you should still be wanting to proclaim the gospel to Jews. So, you know, Amen. as far as how all that shakes out, I mean, I don't have a problem with dispensationalists. I don't have a problem with this idea that, that whoever is like, the remnant of biblical Judaism, which how do you even do, but people are going to believe that. Okay, fine. Um, whoever, if you, if you hold that view and I'm wrong, fine. I don't care. I'm not an eschatology, like die on a hill kind of person. So the, uh, the comment by Jared and Alyssa Neville, your, your mouth yeah, right there. I wanted to address this real fast. Cause this is one of the reasons why like, when I talk about my with apologetics with how you rescue like mm -hmm. these people before they go into TikTok obnoxious atheism. Um, this right here, Jarrett and Alyssa, whichever one you are, 
one danger of fundamentalism is the idea they preach that if there is one word wrong in the Bible that we can't trust any of it and we should discard it Christianity as a whole. That, uh, that I actually really, that and like answers in Genesis, like the intense young earth creationism, because mm-hmm. they believe that if it's not that, you can't trust your Bible at all. Christianity mm-hmm. is false. Yeah, we've you kind of addressed that, that, that people, you've heard the line, like if, if, if one part of it's wrong, the yeah, whole thing is wrong. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard one of those preachers. Now, I've, it logically I, just doesn't fall. Yeah, that doesn't fall <laughs> right, right. Like, it's like I could give an entire account of dinner last night when you, right. we went out with your family. Yeah. And I could give an entire account of it. But just because I may have screwed up one word does not mean that the entire account suddenly didn't happen or we is or untrustworthy. There's no truth right. Or or even or even better, you could give a word for word verbatim account of everything that happened that was inerrant. And you know what that means as far as the authority and inspiration of that dinner? <laughs> Nothing. So, I mean, this is why I'm. So, so like I can write inerrant books all day long. Inerrancy is you something you can write like, inerrant books all day long. All day long, you know. Let's get going. My man. name is Jonathan Pritchett. I was born in Maumelar. I mean, I can write. Yeah, we know, could we could write I a went paragraph. To that's Pine Forest right. Elementary School is an inerrant sentence. You know what that has uh, power over your life? Nothing. So while I affirm the inerrancy of scripture, yeah. it is certainly not the most important. We could we could write a paragraph, about, and we yeah. could get Michelle in the next room, who's an English major, yeah. and we can make sure that that is a perfectly, yeah. according to English grammar and all those things, it's a perfect paragraph, and it's perfectly true in what it says. And then we can make one word per page and make a book out of that paragraph and have an inerrant book. But that doesn't, see, the bottom line, when people say, oh, man can't write an inerrant book. The Bible's written by men and men can't write an inerrant book. Well, we're not saying men wrote an inerrant book. We're saying men moved of the Holy Spirit wrote an inerrant book. Yeah. But yes, men can write an inerrant <laughs> right. book. Right. <laughs> so the most important thing about scriptures is inspiration. It's sourcing God and it's authority. It's not any inerrancy, but I do believe in inerrancy. But I think that people get so hung up on that. It's really less about the text. It's more about, I think, theology proper, what kind of work well, I mean, but, but but still this idea that if one part in second chronicles is erroneous that means everything in the gospels is wrong or yeah, something in esther's no that doesn't make any sense well, like, that's why when i I'll, I'll i'll get a text once in a while from a kid who found our podcast while they first started looking in, at this stuff because what happens is that they'll look into king james only as usually that's the first thing to go because if you when you're fun usually if you're raised in this group you're yeah. king james only so and i'll get a text once in a while or a message or an email and once in a while it'll just be like I just found out that there's a longer ending, that there's the longer ending to Mark and the original one probably didn't have this. Can I even trust the gospel at all? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so remove so those verses. What changed? Yeah. yeah. Really what changed in the story? And also does it change all the other eyewitness accounts and things like that? So the showing how the fact that like, yeah, that whole, like if one word's wrong, you can't trust any of it. Yeah. Just exposing how dumb that is and how that can actually set you people up for failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and same with if it has to be a six day literal uh, young earth, that can also set people up for failure. I don't think that's exegetically, but okay. Yeah, it, exactly. I mean, if young earth, I've always said, if young earth creation is right, you're going to convince me on science grounds. I'm an exegetical one, so. Yeah, fair. Um, I mean, you know, to me, it, <laughs> this is pretty interesting. All the it is the elephant in the room. In the room. What and was, then, and then, hold on, and then Dan Strait says, "Don't call Braxton an elephant. That's messed up. That's, that is messed up." So now my feelings are. Hurt. I don't even say that kind. Of my feelings are. Hurt. The free thinker says that's Tyler Vella. Look here. A strong distinction should be made between fundamentalism, capital F, as holding to a core set of dogmas, 
to fundamentalism istic, which is a certain disposition and attitude toward beliefs and others. Maybe that's a distinction we were trying to get at earlier. Maybe could that's be. a good way to put it. Yeah, could be. Thanks, Tyler. Fundamentalism. Um, is, all right, let's get back to some of these questions. Way. Nick says, what is a theological belief that you don't hold, but you could see yourself believing in the future? I will say um, something related to the gift of tongues. That the gift of tongues is an ecstatic utterance in some cases rather than a, a human language. What about you, Pritchett? Ah, I saw you looking at me. You get the hot seat. That's yeah. why I said um, it to him because he was looking at you. Well, <laughs> um, like I said, I, I default partial preterist all millennialist, but I, I, I'm open to, um, I guess, progressive dispensationalists. I could still. What, what, I could what swing if back I could, what if I could solve I this know. for you right now? Give you the best of both worlds. You know what I'm going to say. You can't because Chris Date hasn't solved my. No, I can solve it. You're not talking I, okay. to Chris Date, pal. You're in my house. And listen, I'm, and, and <laughs> I could probably fall off the fence towards uh, annihilation. No, no, no. Listen, listen. Here's here's the solution. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to show you a way you can hold it oh, the, and the be Steve completely Greg, consistent. The Steve Greg double fulfillment. I, I thought of it and asked him, and he yeah. said, "Yes, that would work. I can see." Yeah. But obviously, it's well, it's it's <laughs> it's not compelling, maybe, yeah. but it is completely consistent. Yes. You could be a partial preterist as you are, mm-hmm. and then you could affirm. Uh, I don't. You maybe couldn't do anything with about the millennium. You might have to hold to a literal thousand years. But you could hold a partial preterism and say yes. Most of this stuff is like about the destruction of the temple in seventy A.D. Yeah. But then say, but this is a, all a prophecy of double reference yeah. and is also referring to all the stuff that the futurists I think. guess that's a better way to say it. Uh, so that, I conv- yeah, I won. No, 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 no. I won. No, I'm not convinced. Prove me saying, wrong then. Prove me wrong. Um, I, Can you I prove me wrong? I could be convinced of his, not dispensationalism or even progressive He's dispensationalism. So much as I could probably move off of amillennialism to historic pre-mill because, I mean, there's a lot of early attestation. In the uh, you're taking on, like, literally this all, I was like, so I'm that and, and, and annihilationism, I could get off the fence and fall towards that sometime. In the all right, Will, you're up. You so a, Pritchett you, ran away from. I'm a fence sitter on that. So Pritchett ran away from the question. What's your answer? Uh, so <laughs> so I, I also would say I'm more partial preterist and Amil, but the yeah. one I can see myself holding to in the future is uh-huh. historical pre-mill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be the one that, because that's actually, my eschatology is the one thing I say all the time. I'm like, that one, I, I reserve the right to keep in flux. Yes. So, Amen. Uh, <laughs> Me too. So uh, that would, yeah, that would probably, yeah. otherwise okay, I've changed my position. Okay, we got that one. So, so these are, Let's see. Are we getting any new questions? We've oh, why did Will people. not become an atheist? I, yeah, that was oh, that was a good one. Let's one? do. Let's look at a nano moose again. Well, what if is the def- no? Here we go. That's the top one there. Yeah. Why did Will not become an atheist? Are those things in the Bible that he evaluated as true, despite how fundamentalists did? That was actually something I kept wanting to get to, but we are way too distracted. So, <laughs> um, what I did. Welcome to Trinity Radio. <laughs> welcome to Trinity Radio. Um, so. One of the things is is whenever I'm talking to somebody who's struggling in the fundamentalism is I talk about loosening, loosening your laces slowly. Because what ends up happening is that you just go, these kids go, man, this sucks. And they rip off the entire shoe and they just chuck it, right? As far as they can go. And then it's, like you said, they go party it up somewhere. Yeah. They get involved in all this stuff. Then they go, wait, I need a way to justify this because if everything I was raised was right, then 
uh i'm definitely in sin oh maybe god this doesn't exist hey uh right. so so, party. so i uh again people give frank turek a hard time when he's just like well most people they actually don't they're not atheists because they want to they are atheists or they don't want to be christians because they want to live sexually however they want and i actually think he's actually got a bit of truth to that but based on what i've seen so what i did the reason why i didn't become an atheist was because i couldn't get past the the what the amounts of of a logical leap on a self-creating self-sustaining universe um so you could say go back to Kalam and teleological kind of right. arguments for that i just was like i can't get past that so what i chose to do was um when i stripped everything bare, said i'm going to remove remove everything from the top from the ground up i started with textual criticism because of grammar king james onlyism so i i studied that deeply and then oddly enough when you start studying like king james onlyism and the debunks to it you find historical manuscripts uh argumentation for the christian faith you end up finding like what you might call like the um the core facts if you will of uh of the resurrection event you the find a lot of those facts? things yeah. that sounds interesting tm yeah or, there go you ahead. go i thought i'd throw that in there yeah so. thank you it's a book so that. bad you had to redo it that's true that's, <laughs> i mean that's literally true yeah that's i redid it because i wasn't i, I will never be so, happy yeah. until we get blinding lights second edition I don't know what book you're talking about. Right. Everyone go get, it's his best book. It's they his can't, there's fiery like one copy and it's like 200 bucks. I will, I make, said this was I will, I will make bootlegs. That's his best book, but Blinding Lights is his real best book. I've been, I've that's his best too. book on the market. Blinding Lights is when Braxton Hunter was a fundamentalist screaming. That's true. Screaming against godlessness in the Southern Baptist convention, like, <laughs> evolution and Calvin. Look, man, someone's got to do it. So yeah, yeah I would say that's what that's why true. I didn't. I couldn't get past the self-created, self-sustained universe, and then I just studied textual criticism from there, and I realized that there was really strong historical reasons, and I found out how we do historical inquiry, which was actually really important when you're Christian and the core event is the resurrection, and that's when I sort of realized what mere Christianity really was. And then I started realizing that this is a lot broader. So that's why. That's why. Greetings and welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Jonathan Pritchett. And along with me is Braxton Hunter and Will Hess. Idol Killer has showed up and said we can get started. Oh. So welcome to the program. I was everybody. like, wow, that I don't know what's I going on. Like, also, Pritchett's having a stroke. I want to take I, I take beef with this. Are you subscribed to the Church Split podcast? 39% yes. 43% no. And yeah. I mean, and, 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 and that forty-three percent that said no did not did not also did not instead said click no, no but, but I, will. I will. They just said nope, nope. <laughs> We're gonna end that poll now. I'm so upset about it. Not going to. Um. Oh well. Yeah. So well, we've gone a long time. Uh, yeah. Tell real quick. So so Will had Will and Brian, who's here. I think we're both on this episode. They invited a very uh, big YouTube channel host. Uh, that goes by the moniker God is gray who's a progressive Christian. And I think initially it was to talk about the subject of abortion. Mm -hmm. um, and you guys talked for, I don't know, is more than an hour, right? Oh, we Something. talked about three hours. Yeah. And it is fantastic. I think people should check that out on double speed. Uh, yeah. It, uh, <laughs> I, I have an intro to That's a Leighton flowers sized episode. Yeah. I, I well, I, my intro to it, I did like a, 30 second intro uh pre-record i was like skip the first hour if you just want to get to this part like, yeah. <laughs> um because now that that whole thing oddly enough i don't know if you know this but we did an original rebuttal to her why i'm a pro-choice christian video and brian and i both because my family uh with my uh, the abuse background but my family also did foster care 
So mm-hmm. we had foster kids and my brother is a married man. He has kids. He's very successful. And so a lot of times people use the foster system. Uh, well, this foster system is busted and they go into these abusive homes. So abortion should be legal. And it's like, so my brother, according to you, should not I be guess, alive. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> right. I'm sure that's really encouraging for him when he wakes up. Yeah. Um, and then you have... Uh, then, she, you know, all these other arguments that she had, Brian, his son was born at 25 weeks, uh, you know, which is a legal abortion age. Uh, he, you know, that's the second trimester. So when Brian had that, too, how many weeks? 25. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. And his son is about to turn 13 here in a couple months. So the thing is with all that, so we had the kind of we, Brian, and I always joke around that we have like the ultimate like stack of cards against pro-choice stuff because we've experienced all their excuses. And uh, so we did this rebuttal and we tweeted it at her when we had like a hundred followers maybe. And she responded and then she invited us on her program to talk about it. And we were like all day long, like, dude, we prepped for a couple of weeks, I think on it. Uh, We had a multi-page document uh, broken down Excel sheets to just like go. What actually this, what it is. And it was funny because we did the episode. We proved her wrong on a couple points in, in that nice, in a nice way. And I also was thinking that what she was hoping is that because we were fundamentalists uh, in their mind, uh, capital F, if you will, um, she was, I think she was thinking that we would get a lot more gruff with her and we weren't. And after all that, so we did this three hour episode. It was supposed to be on her program, but we recorded on our end and she never posted it. When we inquired, she just said, oh yeah, I got distracted with Black Lives Matter. Sorry, I'm not going to like post it. I'm like, wow, is that why is that really why the BLM defense as as the common way to get out of a posting? Yeah. And I was like, OK, so wow. anyway, I found that to be ironic. So, uh, well, this has been a lot of fun. Is there anything you want to say, Will, to kind of wrap things up? Like where can people find you? Give all your we've got socials. your channel in the description. Yeah. Yeah. Just go check out the church split. We do more than just talking about fundamentalism, although the most recent really long episode is dealing with that. But we usually deal with theology proper Um, Brian and I now that I moved here to Evansville to work at the church um that's we should say that if we haven't explicit we explicitly said that yet will uh has moved to our area our city just lives i don't know 10 minutes from me and pritchett and he not that me and pritchett live together but we kind of do because we live like a mile apart but anyway uh he's now the student minister is that the correct title and missions director for one life network one life church in evansville indiana you've seen my pa- my pastor our pastor brett nicholson on the show before so um just wanted to uh, announce that so this is exciting news yeah and so we're gonna you might see will a lot more regularly on here um hanging out and talking with not working his real job yeah <laughs> Also true. <laughs> so, no, but yeah, you should check it out. We do we do theology stuff. Now that we're separated, I'll be doing my own uh, segment, and Brian will be doing his own segment, and we'll be doing combined segments. So you'll be seeing a lot more content. We do a lot of theology and social discussion and apologetics and all the stuff that you nerds love. That's right. Yeah, and they can follow you on Twitter. <clears throat> they can follow us on Twitter. Brian and I both have the Twitter login, and so FYI. You never know. You don't know who it is, but things do, do tend to be a little spicy. Mm. To you. To us. You're spicier than we are. Mm. All right. Well, it's been a blast. Listen, folks, remember to play for the con- pray for the conflict that is going on in Israel right now. Pray that um, for mercy. Pray for peace. Pray that... Um, in the midst of all of this, somehow, in addition to obviously our desire that people uh, would be safe and all of those kind of things, and that this 
can be worked out in some way. Let I'd, I'd love if somehow a revival starts in the midst of this and people turn to Jesus. That would be the best thing that could happen. This has been a blast. Pritchie, you got anything to cap off with? Nope. All right. Then with that, we will see you next time. Check out the church split. You folks that said no without saying no, but I will subscribe to the church split. Well, that's fine. You're allowed to do that. But shame on you. Shame, shame, shame. Go subscribe to the church split. And then next time we'll see you on Trinity Radio.